Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, good morning. Good to see everyone. As we continue this series, Multiply, Multiply. And uh, what a great, great day to be alive. You know, the greater the darkness, the greater we can experience God's glory. You know, uh, God wants his light to shine. Amen. You know, as we saw in the recap video, it's been an awesome week being in the community and so grateful for those that made the float and the parade and our tent and serving the community possible and uh, just so appreciative for you are God's dwelling place and it's great to be out in the community being God's light and the presence of Jesus to people around us who though they might not know they do need the Lord they need the hope of the nations amen amen well we're going to continue this week the series multiply pastor Craig kicked us off last week with the message titled, Follow and Trust Me. Follow and Trust Me. Today I want to preach a message titled, Beforehand. Beforehand. I want to read in Genesis 17, beginning in verse 1, a large passage of Scripture that will be our main text today. As we look at the life of Abraham, Genesis 17, beginning in verse one says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Watch this. Then Abram fell on his face. And God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Verse 7, now I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be there God. God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall, notice that, keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you, you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins 
And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. If you didn't receive a sermon card, you can raise your hand up and you will be served right now. There's a couple here. You can do that. And then before we move forward, I'd like to pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you that name is above every name. I thank you it confronts principalities and powers and plans of the devil that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is now. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are king. You are victorious. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would enforce the lordship of Jesus into homes, into hearts, into lives. We take a moment. We pause before you. For you are almighty God. And we are before your hand. Holy Spirit, speak to hearts, speak to people. Use me, make much of Jesus, and for this we give you praise. Amen. Referred to as the father of faith. Said to have had the gospel preached to him by God beforehand. His name is Abraham. Though there might be a great stretch of time that has passed between Abram and myself. Though there might be a great stretch of time that has passed between Abraham and us who are here today or those that are watching by live streaming. Though there might be a great stretch of time that has passed between Abraham and you, understand there is continuity regarding the gospel he believed and the gospel he obeyed. See, there is one trend in current progressive thinking that must be challenged today. It must be shown and proved to be wrong. And it is this. That we who live in the 21st century are superior to those that have lived before us. There's a current sense of pride that before now, that previous cultures, previous times, and previous people couldn't see, couldn't understand what we who live today can. And it's wrong. And it's damaging. And I'd like to say just because we have iPhones, don't guarantee we see the world any better than those who live before us. There is a, an error. There is a mentality of pride that must be confronted that says that it's only from the here and now that we can actually look upon the past Look upon history. Look upon previous civilizations and interpret them and see them correctly. And I want to challenge today in the name of Jesus that assumption and that trend. See, this trend in culture will seep like sewage into the churches of God if not taken captive intentionally to the obedience of Christ. See, listen to me. Those of us that are here today as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not to have a perception that the mission of God, that the plan of God, that the purpose of God has started with us. In fact, here recently I stood out in a wilderness. And I stood on a large boulder there in the wilderness as the sun was setting. 
And I stood upon that boulder meditating before God, thinking upon Him and His ways and communing with the Spirit of God in my heart. And as I meditated that where I was physically, and I thought about, as the Scripture says, that God is in heaven and yet I am on earth. And I began to become aware in a magnified way of a truth that it was a miracle that Chad Craig in the state of Georgia in that moment, in that place had been reached by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It became so magnified to me. That the gospel didn't start with me. That the gospel didn't start with America. That the gospel didn't start in Georgia. But that it reached me. It's reached some of you. Today, it's reaching some of you. See, it became so clear to me, and it must become clear to us as followers of Jesus Christ in the 21st century, that I was an outsider long before ever being an insider. That when it comes to God's mission, that when it comes to God's purpose, when it comes to the gospel of God, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I was an outsider long before I was ever an insider. I was a stranger to the covenants of promise. The earthly lineage I came from, they were without God in their world and having no hope. And although Abraham is referred to as the father of faith, this likewise applies to Abraham. That the gospel didn't originate with him. It didn't start with Abraham. It didn't start with his earthly lineage, as we heard from Pastor Craig last week, that his family became idolaters like the cultures around them but that it started with God. See, God had a mission. God had a mission before Abraham was. God had a mission before Chad was. God had a mission before we were. God had a mission before you were. And when the Holy Spirit creates that illumination in your heart and mind of the truth that I'm declaring up front today, it changes the type of foundation for our perception of life. One of pride versus humility. One versus entitlement versus gratitude. See, God had a mission from the beginning. Someone say, God had a mission. Let me talk to you about a mission for a moment. Notice in Genesis 17, 1, where we read, it says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. That means we all have hope in here. Ain't nobody close to 99 that I see. It says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Now this wasn't the first time Abraham had had God speak to him, nor appear to him. The first, of course, was when he was 75 years old. At this point in his journey, he's now 99. However, though it wasn't the first time that God had spoken or appeared to him, it was a very significant one. Notice what he says. God says, Abram, I am almighty God. You walk before me. Abraham, before you ever were, 
Before you ever walked, I was almighty God. Know that you walked before me. Not that we go before God and God follows us. When it says, Abram, understand you walk, walk before me, what he's saying is, understand, Abram, there is no place you can go. There is no action you can do. There is no step you can take where I haven't already been. That as the psalmist or Solomon said in Proverbs 5.21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his past. Notice that the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. You today walk before Almighty God. You today go to work each week before Almighty God. You today got up and came here before Almighty God. What does this mean, Abram? Abram, it means that my mission doesn't start with you, it starts with me. That's what God is saying to Abram. That Abram, what is unknown to you is known to me. Abram, though you do not know every step of this journey you are on, I do. Abram, you walk before me. I see you. I, I know the plans I have for you. I know the steps I will ask of you. Abram, you walk before me. What else is God saying? He's saying, Abraham... You walk before me and are a part of my mission. I am not a part of your mission. See, when we think the lie of this culture that everything starts with us, that like all of creation and all of civilization was just waiting for us in the 21st century to appear, That people back in the day were praying, oh, I can't wait. Can't wait until Chad and Dwelling Place Church. And I, oh, man, we're just all longing till the day they come. I don't know. See, when we think things originate with us, we seek to make God a part of our mission instead of realizing beforehand. Beforehand, before you were born, before we arrived. That God had a mission. God had a plan. God was pursuing his heart, his purpose on the earth. Notice in verse 2, God tells Abraham, see, I will make. Notice that. God tells Abraham, see, I'm almighty God and you walk before me. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Watch this. Then Abram fell on his face. Can I tell you today that you're going to fall on your face one way or another? Abram, though, fell on his face the way we want to fall on our face. God speaks to him. He falls on his face. And all of this follows the theme that you find in Scripture called the beginning of knowledge. And the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. The reverence for the Lord that before you were, He was. Before you had a mission, He was. Before you had a career, God had a plan. Bef that God beforehand had a mission. That before you knew the gospel, there was the gospel. And Abraham in this moment, he falls on his face in worship. 
We can either fall on our face and worship that God had a mission beforehand and before us, or we can get so focused on our face and our mission that we'll fall and stumble in God's calling, God's plan, and our part in His plan. But we'll fall anyway. Notice he tells Abram, I will make my covenant. Abraham, I need you to understand that I'm Almighty God and it's my covenant. It precedes you and therefore I will make it. The reason you need to understand, Abram, that I will make it is because it precedes you. And because it precedes you and because it's bigger than you, you can't make it. You can't produce it. It it precedes you and you need the one who precedes you to make it on your behalf. But I'm almighty God, Abram, and I will make my covenant. But the results is you will multiply. From Genesis 12, where we begin to read about the beginning of this uh, journey in life of Abram, you will find that the gospel, the good news that God preached to Abraham beforehand is in essence the same that is preached now through Jesus Christ in the new covenant. Notice the words throughout the journey of what God tells Abraham. He says, I will make. He says, I will give. He says, I will bless. If you need to know the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ today, you need to understand it's this. God says, I will make. I will give. I will bless. See, God is on a mission to make new creations God is on a mission to make new believers. God is on a mission to make new children. God is on a mission to make new dwelling places, people that he indwells. And notice because God is on a mission, he says that I will do something. Because I have a purpose, I have a mission, and I will do something. What will God do? God will give forgiveness today. God will give mercy today. God will give loving kindness today. God will give grace and compassion today. God is giving today Are you willing to receive? God says, I will bless. I'll bless you by remembering your transgressions and your sins no more. I will bless you by cleansing your past and bringing you into a new position and a new posture and as a new person before me. See, you got to understand that when God says, I'll make a covenant, it's a covenant where it's by grace and not grit. I know some of you got to grind, you feel at work, and you got to grind it out to get ahead and climb the ladder of success. But when it comes to our relationship with God, God says, I will make it. I have a hand that's so big. I have a mind that's so greater. I have a capacity so beyond yours. He says, I will make it, and it's by grace, not by grit. And what I hear up front today in this first point is don't miss union with his mission. See, when you look at the word mission, some of you are visual like me. You can write it down real quick. And, oh, I'm visual. I'm not a good speller. But I help you out if you're like me. M-I-S-S-I-O-N. Mission. The last part of mission is the word we get ion. I-O-N. Ion is an electrically charged atom or group of atoms formed by the loss or gain of one or more electrons. It's a union. It's a grouping. And God has a mission. 
He had a mission before you were born. He had a mission before even the situation surrounding your natural birth. He had a mission long before your parents divorced. He had a mission long before you made a wrong choice. He had a mission long before the enemy came in like a flood. But the Holy Spirit wants to raise up God's standard in your life today. God had a mission, but don't miss union with his mission. See, the electricity of God's power comes when we join His mission, not when we ask God to join our mission. See, the difference between pride and arrogance and true humility is not how loud or the vocal or the posture. It is what is the confidence in. See, when you go in your own confidence, when you go from your own foundation of the here and now, then that leads to arrogance That leads to pride. But when you go with an awareness that beforehand God had a mission. And I'm not asking Almighty God to be a part of my mission. I'm jumping into His mission that's been flowing throughout history. See, I can ask God, Almighty God, to be a part of my little trickle of what I can accomplish in life. Or I can see today that God's had a mission that can carve through any mountain, carve through any rock. It can go through any valley. There's no demon, no circumstance that can stop it. That there is a stream that flows from the city of God that makes happy the people of God. And I can jump into his river and to his mission. And this is my concern because I find that so many of us as believers, we come to faith later in life. And we come to faith later in life where we already have our mission. And the reason we already have our mission is because we didn't know beforehand that God had His mission. But I'm telling you, if we could get some believers in America to realize that God had a mission even before we had a mission and now that we're followers of Jesus Christ, we would give up what we think is powerful, what could accomplish much, which is great, and jump into His mission. Oh my goodness, what could God do? What could God do when we really surrender and jump into His mission instead of praying to God to join our mission? He's almighty God. We walk before him. This is the reverence for almighty God. It is the beginning of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I'm concerned when there's believers that come to the Lord later in life and they receive what God will give, mercy and grace and compassion and forgiveness and a new posture and a... And a new heart before God, but then you don't see any course direction in their life. See, I believe that once we come to the Lord, if we seek first His kingdom, that things that we had begin to be attached to what God was doing beforehand. That businesses and and ambitions and direction we had begins to be surrendered to what God was doing beforehand. See, before He was my God, He was Almighty God. And before He was your God and had a personal relationship with Him through Christ Jesus, He was Almighty God. And now that He is my Lord God, He's still Almighty God. And Chad's not Almighty. We're not Almighty. You're not Almighty. But He's Almighty God. See, a dwelling place, our our mission is 
to gather people to Jesus Christ and lead them to biblical maturity for the multiplication of believers, leaders, and churches. Our confidence comes not because that originated with us, but that is just another way to communicate and verbalize what God has been doing from the beginning, His mission. See, I get concerned when I see people who come into a a church community or come into a new workplace or you see a person that's newly hired at your workplace, but they come in as if everything's going to start with them. Listen, it has to hit every one of us at some time that before we were, there were things already taking place beforehand. As an author, before I had books, I have to come to a place and understand that there were books beforehand. That before we planted this church, you have to come to a place and understand that beforehand others had planted a church. What I'm saying is, is we can't have a foundation to see life with the right worldview, with the right mentality and the right framework, that anything starts with us. If it does, we're going to listen to me by default, ask God to join our mission instead of us joining His mission. When you arrive in a place, you've got to ask yourself, what's been happening beforehand? How can I get involved with what's happening beforehand? I'll never forget where God began to do this in my life because, you know, as someone that's called to preach and to teach, you, you begin to early on in insecurity of what that looks like, think, oh my gosh, I don't have nothing to say. Some of you are like, uh, I don't know if that was ever a case with you, but no, no, it was. But you have to come to the place of what we're talking about, that almighty God, I walk before him, but though I walk before him and he sees on me, I'm not before him. That beforehand and before me, God was already speaking, God was already preaching, God was already teaching, and I can jump into what he's already doing, and he'll give me the fuel and the words to just be a part of what he's been doing from the beginning, and therefore nothing originates with us. It originates with God who has a mission. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your business, your job, your career, your family shouldn't originate with you in your mind. You should understand that God beforehand had a mission. And why don't you take all that you had when Christ called you and the gospel reached you and jump in with it all into the mission of God and let the river of God take you where he wants to take you. So though this wasn't the first time the Lord appeared to him, it was, however, a unique time in the life of Abraham. Wow, well, look at this, Genesis 17, verse 3. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you. Kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants, after you and their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are strangers, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God talks with him after Abram fell on his face. Verse 5 says, God says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. God talked with Abram, 
and his name changed from Abram to Abraham. Now, the significance of this is in the Old Testament, names represents the future of a person. Names represent the purpose of that purpose, a person and the character of that person. And notice as God talks with him, as he fellowships with God, God changes. His purpose changes. His future changes the character and what's going to flow out of his life. Because Abraham has just realized he walks before Almighty God and he don't ask God to join his mission. He surrenders to God's mission and God talks with him. It's amazing that it's after Abraham fell on his face that God talked with him. I wonder if we would fall on our face in reverence and the fear of the Lord that God Almighty that knows the name of 8 billion plus people on this earth, he knows the story of every person, he knows the thoughts and intents of every person, He knows the history of every person that that God, Almighty God, wants to speak with you. I wonder if we fell on our face in that posture, what God would say to us today. Because he said something to Abram, and he changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. You ever heard of an aha moment? Come on, wave at me. This is a free participation event this morning. You ever heard of an aha moment? Well, listen. That's the difference between Abram and Abraham, an aha moment. In fact, if you write it again, I was going to scribble it and put it on a slide, but you wouldn't be able to read my handwriting, so you'd just have to scribble it down yourself. But if you write Abraham, you'll notice in the middle is aha, A-H-A. See, it was an aha moment that moved Abram to Abraham. It was an aha moment that moved him from father to father of multiplication. From father to the father of a multitude. Abraham has an aha moment, listen to me, regarding the role, the function, and the part that God was having Abraham play in his mission. See, some of you, why you still feel lost, though you're a believer... It's because you have to, again, take everything that you have and jump into the mission of God. And it's only then in that reverential fear of the Lord that He's Almighty God and you walk before Him and there's nowhere you can go, nothing that you can do, nothing you're putting your hands to that's not before the all-seeing, Almighty God, loving God, your Creator. But then in that posture, God can give you an aha moment. He can give you light where there's been darkness. He can give you clarity where there's been confusion. And He can cause you to know the role, R-O-L-E, and the part and the function that you're to play in God's mission. That's what God did to Abram. Now Abram knows. Not only does God have a mission, but now I've had an aha moment to know where I fit in the mission of God. This, could you imagine businesses? Could you imagine churches? Could you imagine a community where people fell on their face before God and let God give them an aha moment on where they fit within God's purpose for the community, for the business, for the practice, for the people, for the neighborhood? Could you imagine what God could do through some people that let God show them how they fit in His mission where they're instead of asking God to fit in your little mission? Oh, my goodness. You want to talk about Christ being manifested in many ways to many people. Someone say a moment. See, there's not just a mission of God, but God needs people to have a moment with Him. A moment. 
These moments are moments where you get illumination. You get revelation. You get the rhema breath of God speaking into your situation. You get God's word to you. And it reveals to you the part and the role that God has for you in his mission. Now, all that's taking place in my life is not flowing out of, of a place that it starts with me. It started with God's mission, and now I know my role and my part. And so, God, listen, now what's flowing in me and through me is not an authority that starts from me and springs from me. It springs from God. See, that's why Jesus said in, in John 6 and 7, to whoever wills to do God's will shall know. See, some people want to know what God will do if they'll jump into their mission. That's not how it works. You have to get a will the fear of the Lord that you walk before Almighty God and you say, God, whatever it is, I understand that beforehand you had a mission and I'm going to surrender to what you were doing beforehand, before I arrived, before I showed up on the scene. And when you get into that place, that place, then God can give you aha moments of your role, of the function that you're to play in it. It's interesting that the two letters that are added when God changes Abram's name from Abram to Abraham, it's only two letters that's added. H and A. Ha! So you thought LOL and ha 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 and all that just started now with social media? No, 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 no. God had a haul long before you arrived, young person. God had a haul long before iPhones and, and all that arrived. God speaks to Abram and he puts within him, within his name, representing his future, representing his character, aha. Notice at verse 17, it says, Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? I like what my friend Mark Mobley said. God made Abram, Abraham laugh. God made Sarah laugh. God named their first son Isaac laughter. If we know him correctly, he'll fill our lives with laughter too. See, listen to me. God wants to fill your life with some moments, with some aha moments where God's word to your heart, God's word to your family, God's word about your future, God's word about your marriage, God's word about your business, God's word about your neighborhood, God's word about the community you're in, God's word to your heart about your situation causes you to laugh. It causes you to laugh because you realize that there's absolutely no way without Almighty God that that could be your role, your function, your part that God wants to use you in in His mission. Moments. See, faith birthed in our heart from an aha moment with God can cause our natural senses to respond by laugh. See, our natural senses are, and our mind is dependent on the five senses, what you see, taste, smell, touch, all the five senses. But God's Word to your heart can seem so ridiculous to your natural senses that the way you just as a human being respond is you laugh. That's what God's faith in your heart can do. God, you want to 
You want me to play what role in your part, in your mission? To see the multiplication of believers and leaders in churches? Notice also that God spoke to Abram beforehand. He spoke to Abram beforehand before Abram experienced what God had for him. See, some of you are wanting to see it and then have God speak about it. That's not how God works. God will speak beforehand. Listen, he'll speak before you see his hand show up in your situation. This is the God that we serve. We thank God, well, once it happens, then I'll let you speak to it. No, no, no. God wants to speak to you some things right now that make your natural senses laugh. He wants to speak before his hand shows up in the situation, before the mountains move, before the, the, the marriage, the person you're married to, repents and gets saved before your family begins to get interested in the scriptures again before your boss begins to be a little more kind to you God wants to speak beforehand before you see his hand move this is what he did with Abram when I was thinking about how God wants aha moments for us How he wants us to have these moments where our role, our function, the part that we play in a mission that was long before we arrived, the mission that was beforehand. I was thinking of Charles Finney, part of one of the great awakenings in this country. I was thinking about how he recounted an aha moment in his life. He recounts his empowering by the Holy Spirit while alone in his law office after his conversion in the autumn of 1821. Here's what he says. But as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. When I read that first sentence, I couldn't think that when you get in a posture and you're looking at something that you think is great and enjoyable, how God wants to even supersede that. He's looking at a fire, and God says, You like that fire? I'm a consuming fire. I, some of you have been looking at things, and you think, Man, it's amazing, but it still is nothing compared to the one who maybe created that thing. It says, I received the mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost without any expectation of it without ever having the thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me, without my recollection that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world. The Holy Ghost descended on me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity. Here's a man that when he got born again, he threw his life into the mission that was beforehand. He came in union with the mission. Though he didn't know about that God wanted some aha moments with him, he was in a position for God to do it. It continues on. He says, if I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love, and I do not know, but I should say I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. That's called another language. The waves came over me and over me, one after the other, until I recollect I cried out, I shall die. If these waves continue to pass over me, I said, Lord, I cannot bear any more. Yet I had no fear of death. I love that. He says, how long I continued in this state with this baptism continuing to roll over me and go through me, I do not know. 
But I know it was late in the evening when a member of my choir, for I was the leader of the choir, came into the office to see me in the state of loud weeping and said to me, Mr. Finney, what ails you? I can make him no answer for some time. He then said, are you in pain? I gathered myself up as best as I could and replied, no, but so happy that I cannot live. (laughs) He turned and left the office in a few minutes, returned with one of the elders of the church whose shop was nearly across the way from our office. This elder was a very serious man and in my presence had been very watchful. And I had scarcely ever seen him laugh. When he came in, I was very much in the state in which I was when the young man went out to call him. He asked me how I felt. I began to tell him. Instead of saying anything, he fell into a most spasmodic laughter. It seemed as if it was impossible for him to keep from laughing from the very bottom of his heart. I'm talking about an aha moment. I'm talking about a man that when he preached, the power of God would so fall that people would run to repentance. That this nation that's becoming hardened to the goodness of God and the fact that it walks before Almighty God, a man that God used to shake it, but you can't be used to shake people out of blindness, shake them out of deception and darkness without God giving you some aha moments. When an anointing and a baptism and a word and the breath of God comes into your life and God might not call you to shake America through your voice but God's called you to shake some things but for the glory of God and you're going to need some aha moments according to the influence of multiplication he has for you and listen you don't seek it but you should expect it you don't seek an experience but you should expect an encounter with your God you remember what God told Abram he said and I will be your God and I will be your children's children's God he is your God and he is your encounter somebody give him praise today see at DP we call these memorable moments memorable moments And I'm telling you for multiplication to happen in this church, multiplication to happen in your life, it's going to take some memorable moments. Some moments where God breathes on you, anoints you, but watch this, He's going to speak to you beforehand. See, God anointed David long before. He took his role in the plan of God. And God wants to anoint you. He wants to fill you. He wants to baptize you with his spirit long beforehand. You see yourself uh, operating in the full function and role he has for you. See, I'm going to talk about it next time I preach. I thought I was going to get there this week, but I had to set it up. But please don't miss two weeks from now. Because some of you are wondering, listen, you're blessed. You're forgiven. You're a child of God. But you can't multiply right now in the posture because, listen, you're blessed, but you're not broken. And God, after he blesses us, he's got to break us. See, if you just have a loaf of bread that's blessed by the one who made it, but it's not broken, then it can't be multiplied in the mouths of many people. You are blessed. You are anointed. You've had some aha moments, but God wants to break you. That's the one thing. I don't know the writer who wrote the song up here that we sang. I might write some songs in my future. Who knows? I just won't sing them. But nevertheless, (laughs) nevertheless, it said, Nothing will slay me. And I'm sure he or she meant like no circumstance and and no devil. But let me tell you, if you want to be a part of the mission of God in multiplication, he's going to slay you.
He's going to slay you. He's going to put a cross so big in your path that you're going to think you're dying, and it's because you did die. Your life is no longer your life, but your life belongs to Jesus Christ, and you're blessed, but God wants to break you if you want multiplication. Job said, though he slay me, I'll trust him. Someone say a mission. Someone say a moment. Then we come to verse 7. It says, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations. For an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I will give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession and I will be their God. Then look at verse 9. And God said to Aram, as for you, you shall keep my covenant. It's interesting. You and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Hmm. Abraham, it's my covenant, but it's between me and you. Abraham, it's my mission, but it's about me and you. In fact, Paul said we're co-workers together with him. Abraham, it's my covenant, but you shall keep it. See, this leads us to the last point, a method. God not only has a mission, he not only has a moment, Abraham, but he also has a method. He has a method. He says, it's my covenant, but you shall. Here at Dwelling Place, we call that the my role factor, R-O-L-E. He's almighty God. He has a mission. He wants to give us aha moments of how we fit and the role and the function we're to play in his mission. And all that he's given us, even before we came to Christ, is to play a part in his mission. But yet there still is a method. And the method is, is you shall. You shall keep what God speaks to you. That Jesus is Lord. And when you hear his voice and he nudges you and he leads you and the Spirit leads you, you shall keep what the Lord directs you in. That is the method. It's not that God is without your will and without your involvement going to have multiplication show up in your life. The method is, is you shall. You shall yield. You shall believe. You shall live my faith in what God speaks to you. That's why the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by relational trust in the one who's leading and speaking to them. Listen to me. See, there must be an outworking of the righteousness you have received inwardly by faith. For Abraham, the outworking of the inward righteousness he had received by faith and believing what God spoke to him was circumcision. See, God's I will greatly informs your you shall. When God comes to you and he says, I will, I will do this in your future, I will do this in your heart. I will do this in your business. I will do this in your marriage. I will do this in your children. Listen, God's I will informs your you shall. Because if you believe and respond in faith and relational trust to what God said he'll do, 
it will lead to some fruit in your life. That's why James said, faith without works is useless. It's dead. You can't have God speak about something and believe it and it not change something. You got some praise though you're locked up in prison like Paul and Silas. It'll change your posture. But you have to hold fast to what God speaks to you. This is what walking blamelessly before Him is. Notice He told Abraham, I will, but you shall walk before me blameless. What does that mean? You're to hold, hold to relational trust and faith in what it is I've promised you. And when you hold to that, it affects the way you walk. It affects your life. I mean, if I were to come to you with a rhinoceros on a leash, and I said, hold this rhinoceros, how many think that if you held fast to that leash, it's going to change some things? Well, listen, you're holding fast to Almighty God, one that's stronger than any rhinoceros, one that's stronger than any mammoth and animal. You're holding fast to Almighty God. You go hold fast to some electrical cords up here. It's going to change some things. Now, here's what's interesting. Look at verse 23 of Genesis 17. So Abraham took Ishmael his son and all who were born in his house and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day. Someone say that very same day. As God had said to him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael the son was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very same day, someone say that very same day. Abraham was circumcised in his son Ishmael. See, his faith moved him and it moved him quickly. This is part of the role that you play. When the Lord speaks to you, when the Lord says something to you, you should on that very same day write it down. Let it move you to praise. Let it move you to an action. Let it move you to some display that in your relational trust with Almighty God that what God said will come about and your role is to hold fast to it. That very same day. What a hope for us. Abraham is blessed. He's been blessed. He's 99 years old. But listen, he hadn't been broken yet. He's blessed, but he ain't been circumcised yet. He's blessed, but he hadn't had the natural dependency and his own ability cut away. And that is part of the role we play is we must let the cross cut away our self-dependency and thinking that in our own ability, from our own life source, we could ever bring apart or bring about the part and the function and the role that he wants us to play in the mission he had long beforehand that we ever showed up. See, circumcision means a crucified life. And there must be this method in your life before multiplication. I know you've had some aha moments. I know the fear of the Lord has hit your heart and you realize that beforehand there was Almighty God. But there also is the method that there's got to be the crucifixion applied in your will, in your life. Now think about this. Could you imagine Abraham talking back to God saying, wait a minute, you want me to do what? Wait, wait, wait a minute. You want Sarah, my wife, to bear my children... But first you're commanding me to do what? 
Won't that God be counterproductive to the goal? I mean, you want me to have a child with my wife, but you want me to do what first? How's that going to work? That seems like we're going the wrong way from the goal. I mean, the goalpost is over here, God. You're telling me to do something. It seems I'm going this way. And I imagine God looking back to Abraham and asking him this question because that's what Jesus did, right? When we ask a question to him, he shoots a question back. Well, Abraham, has it worked yet? (laughs) Followed by this, listen. You accept you're dead yet, Abraham? Do you accept that though you're blessed and though you're walking before me and though you're my child and though you're a part of my mission, that you're dead, that you still can't produce the role and the part that you're to play in my mission? Because, see, God only gives life to dead things. Abraham, do you accept yet that you're dead? And I know some of you, men included, because it normally takes us a little longer, that you might be 99 and been blessed and a child of God, but God is still saying, before I can multiply Christ in you and through you, you got to be broken. you got to except are you dead yet are you dead yet will you accept that by faith that though he wounds he binds up that though at Abraham it seems like that wounds gonna stop the go but where he wounds he binds up Some of you know you've been blessed and you've been following the Lord and you wonder why you've been to some places that's hurt you. Some places that you thought that God would never allow to come into your life and some difficulty and some pain. But God is saying, will you hold fast to Almighty God that though He wounds, He binds up. That though He wounds, He heals. Though He slays, He raises up. That when we accept that God gives life to dead things, there's no place of death and pain and difficulty you can be in that God can't raise you up in and still fulfill your part in his mission. Then he he says, Abraham, I married you to a method. Her name is Sarah. This is important because God affirms to Abraham the method of how multiplication is going to come about. Why is this important? Because Abraham had already wavered. And he wavered because he thought that maybe Hagar could be the method. Maybe the one I'm married to can't get me to the plan of God. This happens all the time, unfortunately, in church life. God's called me and I have a call, but this must not be the woman because it's not working, nothing's happened. i got to throw her out and find this other one who seems to really be anointed. No, 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 listen. God has a method that he's attached to the role and the function you're to play in his mission. But here's the important part. You will be tested just like Abraham to let go of the method when it doesn't seem like to produce the multiplication that God has for you. Some of you, God said, I need you in the secret place every morning. I need you in a posture for me to speak to you before you go to work. And that is God's method. And he's married you to it. And you've been doing it because God asked you to do it for a year, for two years. And you're not seeing no fruit out of it. Listen, the test of barrenness is coming. Will you sell out to another method? Or will you hold fast to the method God gave you of how he's wanting to multiply his plan through you? Even when you don't see it producing. See, this is a Hagar test. 
It's a test of barrenness. Abraham was married to God's chosen method and yet was experiencing barrenness. It could be your business. It could be where he has you in your place of employment. It could be in the neighborhood you're in. It could be in the friendship with the people that you currently have befriended in the community. And yet you're not seeing kingdom fruitfulness yet. Listen, but God's married you to that method. But the test of barrenness has to come first. Will you sell it out to another method instead of holding fast? Listen, if God called you, I'm going to be real clear here. If God called you to dwelling place, I asked the musicians to come. If God, if, listen, if God called you to dwelling place, long term, listen, you can be certain you will be tested in this. Here's what I mean. God's given us a method. He's given us a strategy that we're going to be gathering and growing and grouping and giving to serve our going a part of the mission to reach people and see the multiplication of believers, leaders, and churches. Listen to me. There's going to be times where you come and you, you've come faithfully to the gathering and yet you're not seeing joy multiplied to your life. You're not seeing the Word of God maybe speaking and being multiplied to you. You're going to be gathering faithfully and not see the hand moving. You're going to be in growth phases and going through the teachings and yet not yet seeing those teachings incorporated and changing the way you live. You're going to be grouping with people and not seeing the benefit of it. And all of that is going to be a test of will you sell out when it doesn't seem to work? Or do you know that if God's called you to be here long term, He's married us to a method. He's married us to a holistic plan to disciple people's spirit, soul, and body. See, listen to me. You're married to Christ, friend, if you're born again. But will you sell out to the world's methods? Because it happens all the time. We have people that are blessed. They're children of God. But in order to get to the thing that God spoke to them, that God showed them, the plan that they are to play in God's purpose of multiplication, they think they got to sell out and do it the world's way. I just had quick. What about Turek Kathy? What about everybody looking at him when he found he didn't originate no chicken sandwich? God, in God's mission, knew there would come a man who would jump into God's mission and God would show him that the role and the function he's to play in God's mission was a chicken sandwich. That there was something happening beforehand. And everybody looked at him, Joshua. You can't start a restaurant and be successful and have it closed on a weekend? Can I tell you, that when aha moments come, it, it might cause you to laugh. The way God will marry you to a method. People, sometimes church people say, uh, church leaders and, and gurus, and, you know, consultants, they say, don't get married to a method. Well, I'm glad Abraham didn't listen to that. Because God had a method how he was to get multiplication. Now, there came a time where he had to bury her. But that's after she produced a lot of fruit. Will you sell out to the world's ways? Because I want to tell you, you're married to Christ and He is the way. He is the method. And whenever He speaks to you, if you'll hold in relational trust to obedience to that, that becomes the method. 
But His method's going to lead you through brokenness. It's going to lead you through crosses. It's going to lead you to a place where you accept, yes, I'm dead, God. I can maybe grind it out and grit it out in my own ability according to the world's ways, or I can stand back and let your grace fill me. Let your fire and anointing come upon me and make my hands successful in a way that astounds people, even myself. God has a mission. God has memorial, memorable moments. God has a chosen method when it comes to experiencing multiplication. He's Almighty God. Oh, if we could get the American believers to fall on their face in reverence again. That before this country ever prospered, before this country ever had so many benefits that we had today, that there was Almighty God. That everything we have today, we would throw into His mission. When you do, it'll lead to some aha moments. It did for Moses. God says, oh, you jumped in my mission now? And you jumped in with what you already had, a staff? Let me show you what I can do through a staff that causes people to laugh. Aha moments. There's a mission. Before you see multiplication, there's going to be a method. Some of you are in that process of holding fast to what the Lord's told you, the method. Trusting Him on the journey towards multiplication. Again, thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at www.dwellingplacemovement.org.